Hello everyone, uh, welcome to Expert Talks. This is the interview series with thought leaders in the analytics, AI and transformation space. My name is Mahadevan Ayer, Maha for short. I'm your host for today. I'm the co-founder and CEO of the marketplace for on-demand analytics services. Our guest for today is Utpal Chakravarti. Utpal is the chief digital officer of Allied Digital. Prior to that, he was head of artificial intelligence at Yes Bank. He's had an illustrious career as principal architect at IBM, uh, Capgemini, and Larsen Tubro Infotech before that. Utpal is an eminent speaker, researcher, and author on topics as varied as artificial intelligence, quantum computing, blockchain, Web3, metaverse, and IoT. He's been conferred with many industry rewards. Last year in 2022, he was the global AI ambassador. So Utpal, it's a pleasure having you on Expert Talk. Thank you for making time to join us for this podcast. Thank you so much, uh, Maha, for inviting me and uh, hoping that we'll have a great discussion. Thank you. So Utpal, I, uh, you know, when I, uh, uh, read through the and you you authored around seven books and you know on varied topics artificial intelligence quantum computing web3 and metaverse uh, you know on digital so uh, so just want to understand you know do you see that these are all very contiguous in the way you've gone about uh, learning and understanding and researching them uh, you know how, is there a, you know is there some sort of a thread that ties them up so how did you uh, you know have this interest and in how did you go about it yeah, so um, you rightly said, I mean, uh, definitely uh, this is kind of a continuation. Okay, so we are also building up uh, on uh, different technologies, although some of the technologies are very, very uh, unique. You can say, for example, quantum computing, right? So quantum is something, uh, um, it is unique. Uh, but then now uh, we can relate quantum with artificial intelligence in a great way. How? Uh, because uh, the quantum machine learning, right so which is a very hot area how you can run your machine learning algorithm in a parallel completely parallel uh, kind of environment so that's that's uh, kind of a speed okay agility uh, that quantum computing uh, gives uh, to your artificial intelligence now uh, if you look at wave 3 uh, metaverse and all other uh, things of course these are all interrelated and uh, i think uh, this or, or, or let me uh, take a step back like uh, so I think I believe that we are living in a uh, what you call golden era of technological revolution, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and I think um, uh, like any other golden era okay, that has uh, occurred in the past, so it is not only one factor or one technology that is contributing to the golden era, right? Rather, it is like multiple technologies, multiple factors contributing uh, to uh, this uh, revolution, okay, and brings about this golden era, right? And that's what it is happening today. So absolutely, everything is some way or the other interrelated. Uh, whether it is uh, artificial intelligence and quantum computing, and definitely artificial intelligence and Web three is uh, like uh, uh, AI is an integral part of Web three. Okay, so in most of the areas of Web three, you will see AI is going to play a major role. 
same goes for uh, like uh, the other technologies like blockchain because if you want to bring that uh, kind of a transactional ecosystem within your uh, web3 and metaverse then definitely you require a technology like blockchain so these are definitely interrelated and my interest uh, basically again the same thing <laughs> it goes from one technology to uh, another technology because i see there are a lot of futures coming up with those technologies so i start exploring uh, those and in that process probably i write some articles some books and all those things yeah oh excellent very nice very nicely explained so um, you know uh, i read a blog of yours of 2019 you said ai superpowers leaders versus contenders right and essentially you uh, spoke about some of the uh, factors and uh, components that are required uh, for a country's ai ecosystem right to evolve you also at that time you know almost assess various countries like us china you know uh, uk canada india right uh, so now it's 3 4 years since then right um, and india possibly has evolved right there has been a huge adoption of digital payments uh, you know our response digital response to the covid pandemic and the vaccine that too was you know uh, was uh, you know fairly appreciated worldwide yes. so if you were to look at that today right Uh, so if you could explain about some of the factors which build a, a, a country's ai ecosystem and where would you place india today yeah so uh, yes of course 3 uh, 4 years has gone and uh, the scenario has changed a lot uh, because uh, the focus that china was getting at that point but time probably that has got completely defocused at this point of time uh, and uh, some other countries like india and all Uh, they are evolving. Okay, not only India, probably uh, some other countries also. And very recently, I have not done that kind of a study because that was a rigorous study uh, in 2018-19 when I was uh, writing uh, that uh, paper. Uh, but uh, I think the factors remains uh, the same. Uh, the factors contributing uh, to this uh, one is of course the research uh, part, and uh, that is still uh, uh, US and Canada uh, is is leading right so because uh, any any research that is happening uh, uh, in the area of ai is still happening uh, in the universities uh, and also uh, within the industry or the collaboration uh, in us and also for, for example I, i would like to give you the example of the generative ai which is which has like come up in a very big uh, way mm. uh, into and chat gpt is one of uh, those instances yeah. right so uh, this uh, actual uh, research of uh, generative ai and uh, the transformer neural network architecture which is the heart of chat gpt uh, it has been done by uh, google and uh, university of toronto okay initial mm-hmm. uh, advancement whatever uh, we have seen is done by that and then some of the researchers from uh, google and also open ai and and some academia they came up with another uh, very revolutionary uh, what do you call it, concept uh, called uh, attention mechanism attention model or self attention model okay which is again made chat gpt uh, what we see t- uh, today so uh, this kind of research or uh, this uh, kind of things are actually uh, mostly happening in us and canada okay some of the universities so that is one component the other component is the implementation part okay so i think india has uh, gone uh, far ahead uh, in this couple of years in terms of the implementation uh, part right so and if you see uh, in our startup ecosystem or even in our academia 
and um, and our industry, a lot of implementations of AI are here, and some of the implementations are really out of the box. Okay, because uh, I'm connected with uh, the startup ecosystem and academy, and I can see uh, there are there are brilliant uh, implementations uh, that has been done in. Uh, couple of years and that's what I have predicted also in my article that India uh, probably because as uh, our generation is an IT generation okay and we have seen the entire uh, journey of IT right and if you look at our uh, Gen X Gen Z uh, generation today I mean the millennial generation today in India so I, I call them a IT generation right because somehow one way or the other they are related to IT and they've seen the journey okay from their birth uh, probably Right, so I mean that is, and uh, the third factor is the platforms wherein uh, uh, you get an opportunity to get trained, upskilled, and all that things. So in India, I mean these things are very very easy and uh, in that way very very economical, right? Uh, because um, any kind of training there are various trainings available in India, not only online, but classroom kind of trainings, wherein they provide uh, AI ML trainings uh, of, of decent or good quality, right? Second comes to the academia. Many academia uh, has started uh, either they are uh, engineering uh, in artificial, I mean, B, BTEC in artificial or MTech, uh, MSc in artificial intelligence or like advanced certifications in uh, AI machine learning and all those things, right? So that is also another thing, an opportunity for uh, the students to upskill themselves or to uh, take some kind of a career path uh, into artificial intelligence. So that is another factor. That factor is also completely favoring India because if you go to other countries, I think probably uh, uh, the amount that uh, you'll have to spend for such kind of a training, uh, offline training, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, instructor-led training, that is humongous. But here you will see every other day some master classes are going on, some workshops are going on. You can take, but it's not only professionals who will be a data scientist, but also uh, anybody for that matter, probably a business analyst or probably somebody uh, uh, who is working on some other areas but has uh, uh, interest on AI. And uh, uh, so they, it's, it's very uh, favorable uh, there. And uh, the other thing is basically the endorsement from the government. Okay, So that is very, very important because government can play a major role in terms of uh, in the bringing that awareness Okay, uh, supporting uh, this kind of initiative. So that endorsement is very, very important. Unfortunately, uh, our current government, Niti Aayog, and all those, uh, uh, all other uh, institutions that we have, they have got a huge focus on AI. And I think they have done a great job in terms of uh, um, uh, bringing that kind of awareness uh, in different ways, or at least supporting those kind of initiatives. Uh, also, uh, some way or the other giving uh, the uh, AI startups uh, an opportunity uh, to grow in their space, right? So that is also another factor which is favoring India. Now coming to others, so this is, so there are a lot of many factors that has actually uh, gone in favor of India. And that's why I think probably if you assess today, I mean, uh, rank of India will definitely go up uh, um, rather uh, being at that the same place or going down. Uh, but coming to other countries, probably many uh, countries during this pandemic uh, somehow has been left out in this uh, in this competition. 
right? What it was there in uh, 2018 and 2019 because of a lot of economical uh, factors and a lot of economical uh, these things, right? Because uh, probably, because ultimately, I mean, this kind of initiative, when everything goes well, then only you'll see uh, this is just important. So this is, uh, I think, in in short, Maha, <laughs> what I can see today, but of course, uh, probably I'm a little bit out of the context also, uh, because I mean, I have not done a very uh, rigorous study uh, that I did uh, in 2018 and 2019. Understood. No, very well. I, I think the other factor also you mentioned is given Indians ability to uh, apply business use cases on already research topics. Uh, and given the market size, I think we are also getting a lot of investment ecosystem coming in that is also fueling this adoption of AI and, you know, uh, possibly that is also another factor that, uh, you know, is helping uh, India, you know, build that uh, AI muscle, if you will. Absolutely. I think I think this is a uh, good point. Like, I mean, uh, the maturity of the venture uh, uh, investment ecosystem or uh, probably uh, even uh, the angel investors so they have now understood okay the potential of this kind of uh, technologies and they are they have started investing on uh, the startups who are doing uh, work on ai yeah absolutely so now uh, you know when 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 one talks of allied digital then uh, obviously there is the whole smart city project right um, and um, so it will be great for our listeners to understand uh, little more about uh, a smart city project what does it mean in terms of digital infrastructure investment you know how does it manifest itself in terms of how do you know uh, end citizens benefit from that so my my own understanding of a smart city and when we build a digital infrastructure around it is that all the you know all all the data uh, exhaust that is used uh, digital data exhaust that is used to understand data better and serve customers better so a there should be better customer experience uh, in their day-to-day -day life. And two is because that understanding is there, it should make our government spends or assets or function more productive. That is my broad understanding of why one would do a uh, invest in a smart city type of thing. Apart from that, obviously, that then leads to, you know, uh, you know, economic growth in that particular city and all that. So if you could help explain what does a smart city mean in terms of digital infrastructure? Uh, you know, what is it in terms of size and scale? Because there would be lakhs and lakhs of sensors, you know, lakhs and lakhs of, uh, you know, a huge quantum of data. Uh, and then a few examples of what will it mean if I were an end consumer in a smart city or if I were a government department in a smart city, uh, right? A anything that you could help explain that, that would be great. Yes. So uh, we at Allied uh, Digital, uh, like uh, we have been doing uh, this smart city uh, projects uh, from uh, along, right? So uh, uh, I think, uh, I mean, uh, probably we are uh, we are uh, one of the pioneers in a smart city in India. Okay. Uh, so definitely our, our number will come for one uh, in, in that list because the number of implementations that we have done and the experience that we have got uh, from those implementations. And of course, this implementations has changed right over the period of time. So probably uh, in the beginning, uh, the implementations were more on the infra level, connecting the devices and uh, bringing all the information into a single command and control uh, center kind of a thing. And then it changed into uh, uh, bringing more and more intelligences like we are we are doing like now like all smart cameras smart sensors uh, smart all other things and how uh, to um, uh, how to actually derive some of the use cases 
from them. Like for example, in some of our smart cities, uh, uh, which we are doing, like Allied is uh, doing, is uh, basically like how to um, identify a acid throwing event, right? Uh, to uh, a girl or a woman, or uh, probably somebody is beating um, uh, somebody else, or somebody is fighting, right? So how to how to detect those kind of things uh, through computer vision? Okay, so those use cases have already been implemented. Uh, a lot of use cases, and uh, these are very advanced use cases like that. But but on a uh, holistic uh, manner, what we are doing uh, right now is uh, essentially. Like now you have got all the infrastructure ready for the smart cities, right? So you have got your uh, smart lights uh, in the street. You have got the smart garbage management, uh, traffic management system, uh, then your sensors. Okay, so everywhere uh, it is there. Now, uh, as you rightly said, like how to bring all the data into a common uh, place, the repository. So that's where a data lake or a warehouse kind of a system uh, plays in other ways. So bringing all the data through some ETL process into a single repository, and uh, then of course do all kind of transformation, all kind of correlation into data because see this data is uh, like uh, what do you call? Uh, it's a versatile uh, kind of data. So you will get uh, structured data, unstructured data, semi-structured data, streaming data, and you require uh, different kind of strategies to bring those data into a single repository and then transform those data, do some correlation, uh, filter out, build some smart uh, what do you call? Uh, uh, data marts, okay, because data lake is awesome. Data marts are more uh, like where from you can derive your analytics and all, all those things. And then you run the machine learning models, uh, AI models, analytics models uh, to do a lot of things. So it could go, the, this intelligence could go into uh, your command and control center and to the, to the authorities so that they can take a immediate action on any kind of event or any kind of tip. All also, they will get some kind of indication of the future events, okay, because uh, there is a predictive nature also. Uh, you can build uh, using machine learning models. Uh, the other uh, thing could be it, that same intelligence can uh, go to your citizen-centric apps. Like as a citizen, you are consuming some of the services, you are uh, getting some of the services, like for example, like uh, some traffic condition uh, in the city, or if there is a flood situation, what is the situation in the flood, in which areas are affected kind of thing, or if there is a fire somewhere kind of thing, anything and everything. I mean, I mean, uh, the, the, as time goes, like, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll build more and more intelligent services which uh, the citizens can consume and they can essentially uh, use those. So, I mean, as a whole, if, if you uh, look at, uh, it's it's a journey, right? And uh, it's not only for India, for any other countries for that matter, like uh, this smart cities will evolve, okay? And um, uh, I mean, uh, one schools of thought is, okay, fine, once you do that, what next? Okay, some of the next things are already visible, uh, but probably over the period of time, will get more and more use cases uh, to build that. So that's what we are doing uh, in uh, uh, Allied Digital. And the vision of Allied Digital is essentially uh, to bring the uh, world-class uh, solutions uh, into the smart city ecosystem in a very cost-effective manner, whether it is our, uh, our own built uh, 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 solutions or own built uh, products, 
or we partner with somebody uh, who is already mastering those. Like for, for example, for computer vision, right? So some of the solutions, okay, uh, we have, we have uh, partnered with uh, some, some of the best uh, providers in the world, right? And uh, some other solutions which where we are good, okay, because we have got this uh, decade of uh, experience building smart cities at different places. And as you know, like, I mean, a building a green smart city is very, very uh, easy, right? But uh, I mean, it's a greenfield kind of a thing, okay? So nothing is there and we build it like uh, in Indonesia, uh, probably they are building a smart city and uh, they will be shifting their capital into that smart city, okay? And it's a green, uh, so no, uh, infrastructure is there at this point of time. It's a completely greenfield kind of a project. But here in India, it is different. So the smart cities that we have done, okay, it's like already, like for example, Pune smart city is there. So it should, uh, uh, I mean, the, everything is going as usual in the smart city, but at the same time, okay, we are building the smartness. We are putting uh, a lot of equipments, a lot of uh, sensors, this, that, into the smart city and building it. So that is the most difficult part uh, when we do. And I think we have got a huge experience uh, on that. And we'll, we'll keep on uh, improving on that because our vision is uh, like, uh, for example, our CMD's uh, vision, Mr. Nitin Shah, he has got a vision that uh, will we'll, we'll go out of the way okay, to bring new and new technologies uh, into the smart cities. And for that, if you have to go to any uh, corner of the world, wherever those kind of technologies are available or solutions are available, we'll not shy away from uh, going there and bringing it uh, to our smart cities. Got it. No, very nicely articulated. Like, like you're saying, building smart cities in India is akin to boarding a running train and then slowly, you know, guiding it in the right direction. As opposed to somewhere like Indonesia, where you, you know, uh, maybe the train is at a standstill and then you say, okay, this is the direction I'm going to take. So, you know, it has its own set of challenges. Great. Now, uh, you had written about bridging the digital gap and uh, you mentioned that, you know, AI and machine learning is going to be very important, but uh, for it to be really effective, uh, you know, adopted and embraced, eventually it has to show in customer experience. So customer experience eventually has to get better uh, to see the uh, impact that AI and machine learning can create and also increases adoption. So, uh, you know, so I totally uh, concur with that view, but if you could, you know, possibly take an example and explain that when you said that, you know, customer experience eventually is the end measure of how impactful AI and machine learning is. Yeah, so I think any successful implementation uh, of any technology for that matter, and which is catering to some of the requirements of the customer, I think uh, I think the best implementation would be when the technology disappears, right, for the mm -hmm. customer. Okay, uh, technology should not be visible to the uh, customer. Customer should enjoy the benefits of the technology. So that's what I tried to uh, uh, highlight. Uh, there and as you uh, see, AI and ML is definitely going to play a major role because what happens, like um, if you look at the digitization journey, right? So today, if you look at almost in all organizations or enterprises or even um, even in the government, 
almost all physical services has now been digitized. Okay? So hardly if I ask you, I mean, tell, tell me uh, uh, 10 services which are not yet digitized. I mean, you will have a hard time to uh, answer, right? I mean, almost everything is digitized. But is it the final game? No, I don't think so. I mean, digitizing is because many of the enterprises you will see, like they are storing, archiving their data, but it is only for archival. They are not using it, right? So all in digital format, but they are not using it. So I think uh, like uh, the semiconductor revolution has uh, now uh, come to uh, kind of a uh, threshold or a dead end, right? So same, uh, the digitization is also normal. I mean, the vanilla plain digitization is, has also come to kind of a dead end kind of a thing. Then what next? I think next is something called cognification. Okay, so this word is not available actually in uh, your Oxford dictionary or any anywhere. But I use uh, this uh, term uh, very frequently uh, because it's related. Uh, you can relate it. Uh, I mean, uh, beautifully. Uh, so cognification, uh, what I feel is the is the topmost layer of digitization. Okay, or where digitization is. Uh, ends and uh, the cognification starts, right? So wherein we try to bring the cognitive element, okay, or the human cognitive element into our digitization process. So that intelligence uh, building on top of your normal digitization. And that's where a technology like AI ML uh, plays a major role because this is not possible with any other conventional technologies. And the enablers could be uh, your, of course, the big data system is there. Now, quantum is coming. So, quantum is the enabler for AI, right? Uh, so that you can actually uh, do that processing with that speed, uh, uh, the quantum machine learning model, uh, uh, whatever is required in that uh, particular place. So, that's, I think, is the journey. So, from digitization to cognification, and ultimately, it is all uh, like going towards serving the customer in a better uh, way. And eventually, everything, all the technology vanishes for the customer and customer enjoys the benefit uh, of the services uh, that has been provided by this uh, or, or the services that has been enabled by this technology. So that's what is bridging the digital gap. No, very Excellent point. So essentially, digiting the uh, uh, you know bridging the digital gap is essentially using what you said cognification, which yes. which essentially is able to have a speed of processing and is very intuitive and literally frictionless for customers, right? Like you said, the technology should cease to exist as far as the customer is concerned. They get a frictionless, intuitive experience out of that, and. For that on digitization as layer, you need to have cognification where you combine quantum con computing to you know embrace its power and speed uh, and AI and uh, possibly machine learning to bring the you know uh, cognitive uh, part of it or the intelligence part of it and then serve the customers in a fairly seamless way. Okay, nice. Absolutely. Okay. Now. Uh, so Uttar, you've worked with, uh, you know, a lot of MNCs as a principal architect, then you at Yes Bank, uh, which is you know obviously a large retail uh, bank, uh, and then you you know you joined uh, Allied Digital now. It also has its fintech product. But where I wanted to come in is that uh, we keep saying in data analytics that a large quantum of projects do not deliver on business expectations on account of lack of business or situational context, right? Um, but then you've been very successful in multiple roles. So what are some of those approaches you took? Uh, 
So I have, I have two questions. One is, is this whole context overhyped? Is it really a necessity, number one? And if it is yes, then what are some of the approaches that you took to you know, build that domain context, domain knowledge, situational awareness? How did you go about it? Any tips? Yeah, so I think, um... Uh, I think uh, in a, in a banking uh, environment, if you if I talk about banks and all those things, so yes, I mean banking. If you look at it, it is a data intensive business. So ultimately, uh, behind the scene, okay, we are generating huge amount of data, and now how to use that data into your business context, okay, mm -hmm. or serving your customers better. Uh, that is that uh, kind of, uh, and that is uh, possible only uh, with a technology like AI, ML and all. But having said that, while implementing those kind of uh, uh, solutions, you require a huge amount of domain support. That means support from your subject matter experts, SMEs. Mm -hmm. And uh, without that, uh, I think it is uh, impossible okay, uh, for a project to be successful. And it is it is as simple as impossible, uh, and uh, that's the reason. So my approach uh, always used to be, it's kind of a collaboration with the domain people and the technology people, and how to marry that, and finally, all aligned towards the final business goal or final business outcome. So if that thing is very very clear, then I think. Uh, and from the beginning also, okay. And uh, this this process needs to start uh, mm -hmm. from the very beginning, like uh, where you are conceptualizing uh, the product, uh, the project. Okay. And if it is there, then I think uh, success is almost guaranteed. Probably you may not be able to achieve hundred percent of your outcome because we need to understand uh, AI, ML, and all those things are still evolving. Okay. So as a data scientist, uh, I would say it is evolving field. And definitely, there will be some amount of uh, R&D, okay, uh, that will come up uh, during your project, and, and and if it is out of the box implementation, okay, most of the cases it is out of the box implementation. You can, it's cannot it cannot be uh, state forward implementation, and it is not only AI ML by the way, because AI ML is largely depending on the data, right? So uh, the, even the collaboration of the data engineering team, okay, is also important. So if you are not getting uh, your data from all the sources in your enterprise into a single repository, and then you do all uh, kind of analytics, AI, and all those things, and your if the data engineering strategy, data engineering framework, or data engineering platform, okay, these are not correct, then definitely whatever analytics you run, okay, it cannot be uh, accurate. Okay, you will see a lot of uh, differences in the reports, a lot of differences in this thing. So this is very, very important. I think that is the only one thing uh, I think that is key. And also, and the support from the top management is very, very important because now <coughs> it is kind of a multiple, uh, you are bringing multiple teams together, right? And as you know, uh, at least in the Indian context, okay, so most of the, uh, as the enterprises goes, okay, so these departments start working in silos. Now, how to bring all those? So these are these are uh, in fact separate organizations altogether, right? <laughs> in many cases, so how to bring all those people together uh, towards a common goal, okay? Uh, towards a common vision is something 
that probably as a AI leader or a data scientist or a principal architect or even head of AI, uh, you will not be able to do. Okay, that needs to be done uh, in a much higher level, probably from the CEO level. Okay, not I am not not even talking about CIO because CIO uh, will be uh, like uh, heading the IT. Uh, department right uh, but you require a lot of business people there so it should be a ceo's initiative okay uh, when one way or the other not a cio or any kind of uh, business initiative if it is there then i think uh, i mean success uh, is almost guaranteed nice so so one more point i want to discuss with you is um, so today, if you look at most organizations, there is obviously, you know, insights and analytics that is required for, you know, understanding what is happening in the business and taking some immediate action, right? So there is a time currency to problem. I have a problem today, my sales is decreasing, my churn is increasing, or my conversion on e-commerce website is reducing, whatever, right? So there are businesses focusing on that, saying my leads are not converting, whatever. <clears throat> it's a very, very immediate problem. I mean, competition is doing something, I need to respond type of stuff. And then there is the deep capability building, you know, using MI, uh, you know, AI, ML, deep learning models, and creating a little more multi-generation type of project, which is a lot more involved and deep, and can possibly give breakthrough solutions, right? Um, now, how, how do you, you know, from your experience, where do you see this evolving? Because there is business is saying, tell me what I need to do now, right? And sometimes we as guys in the AI field and all that are building possibly breakthrough solutions, right? Now, somewhere there needs to be a, a balance. So what is your own thought on how is this evolving? Are, are uh, you know, as, as more low-code and no-code platforms start coming, do you think the first part of it is business something they will, they are getting more analyticals and data savvy and they will start doing it and the AI and ML teams will work more on long generation projects or do you see both of them coexisting? How do you see that? Yeah, so I think that depends on uh, the uh, I mean the maturity of the leader who is driving uh, this uh, initiative in any enterprise for that matter. Uh, because see, I see very clearly okay, that uh, AI ML can give you the intelligence, right? Uh, wherever you require. So for example, uh, I'm taking your example only. My sales are is not happening uh, the way it should happen. And uh, uh, there is a customer churn, okay? Uh, how to address that. So there, I mean, that intelligence AI and ML can easily give you, right? It can give you uh, why it is not happening. What are the reasons? So if you, if you do a uh, good analytics, you can get it. Even you can see the customer churn pattern or even you can go a little bit predictive kind of thing. Now it is up to the leader why, whether uh, his AI or ML initiatives should be addressing these issues or he is doing something out of the box probably uh, after five years or ten years, somebody is going to. I don't. I don't. Uh, I'm, I don't believe in that approach, because whatever uh, implementation that uh, you do using whatever uh, cutting edge technologies, that should have a immediate business outcome, or at least there should be a roadmap. Okay, and it will start giving some kind of outcome from the beginning itself. And AI and ML has a uh, huge uh, capability of giving that and it is built for that only. That's where, I mean, everywhere you will uh, look at uh, the analytics dashboard, analytics and everything with predictive, prescriptive natures are uh, coming from an AIML only. Uh, so I think 
if somebody is implementing it uh, for say very long term kind of a thing so then i think there should be a very distinct reason why he is doing it so probably uh, quantum computing is in a very nascent state now okay and somebody wants to build a system for portfolio analysis okay and uh, uh, and he wants to use quantum machine learning on that okay and that's a long term project kind of a thing and he is doing some kind of experimentation some kind of a pilot and uh, he sees that after 5 years his uh, solution will be ready that is okay but that should be uh, a completely uh, what do you call it's a informed decision that uh, the leader should take but all other things are more or less clear we know like, like where all we can use ai ml today uh, in your business context and in your analytics and, and these areas or if you want to build some kind of a conversational uh, engine something like that so yeah that will be my answer i mean it, it all depends on uh, how they think uh, as a leader so essentially what you're saying is for a good leader has to have the ability to break it down into multiple milestones possibly outcomes which are time bound so that there's a connect with the business obviously you can have some sort of a research project going on the side but a good ai machine learning initiative or project should have you know maybe multiple uh, time plans with outcomes and milestones uh, defined so that you know there is always a ongoing connect with the business am i right in understanding that yes absolutely because what we did is an exercise and this is very very important for any uh, enterprise okay for at least the data science team uh, that they sit i mean uh, in a in a in a frequent interval right they sit with uh, the business team and understand their pain points and then identify the cases which qualifies for ai implementation okay and then probably start with a small poc or pilot show it to them have confidence and then go for the uh, full fledged implementation so that is the approach okay every month probably they will have meetings with different uh, business leaders okay the business particles the, the departments heads or smes so that is the approach because in a banking environment or for that matter any other some of the use cases are very very visible right so people have already worked we have got some examples some bank has implemented this that and all those things but many of the use cases are hidden use cases okay and uh, until and unless you discuss with that the business leaders even you will not find out that yeah here we can use uh, some nlp solution or a machine learning solution probably a small solution but that will have a huge impact on that for example in the document processing area itself right in almost all the banks or all the enterprises if you implement it in a right place now there will be a huge amount of saving which will have a revenue impact okay which will bring efficiency and agility into the process and all those things so i mean to identify that probably i mean from years it is going on a conventional way okay a lot of fts we are wasting there a lot of there is no efficiency in that process and because of that other processes are getting impacted right uh, so to identify that definitely as a data scientist you cannot directly uh, you not be you, you need that support from the business people but you should drive it having frequent meetings with them understanding their pain points you can easily identify and qualify the hey if i can implement a small machine learning solution here then there will be a huge saving huge agility kind of thing yeah got it okay understood now uh, 
that brings me to the next topic. So, you know, we are talking of AI ML now, we're talking of future of AI, we're talking of, you know, generative AI, we're talking of, uh, you know, essentially low code, no code type of thing. Converse, I mean, conversely, is being now taken to the next level, you know, with open AI type of tools and all that transformation networks and all that, right? And, and the general feel is that uh, with that, uh, you know, context and ability to define the problem or ask the right question or prompting the right question will become increasingly important because, uh, you know, how the data is going to get processed and all that is going to become more and more easier, right? So, uh, you know, writing a code, pulling the data, you know, creating reports, all that will over a period of time become more and more easy. And so if I understand the business, the problem, defining it better, then I can start using it. Right. So the, the future looks like more, more, more empowerment to the business, for lack of a better word. That's that is the way I look at it. Right. And on the other side, you know, future of work. Future of work is again moving more fractional, do it when you want type of stuff, multiple projects happening, people actually doing their core job, also wanting to do some jobs on the side, right? Collaboration, remote working, uh, all that is happening. Uh, right, uh, more freelancer migration happening, more fractional work happening type of stuff, right? And uh, so when you see the future of AI and uh, future of work, do you see that converging somewhere where, uh, you know, people can work uh, in, in a more uh, seamless, more collaborative manner and where things just actually, you know, the pieces actually fall into, uh, uh, you know, into a, a form from both the, the way future of AI is evolving and the way future of work is heading. Yes, I think uh, definitely uh, there is a huge uh, direct impact and link that I see uh, right now after this chat GPT uh, came up, right? I mean, uh, this kind of, and then this, this will, this, and more and more such uh, things will come up because it is not only like uh, the text, right now it is more of a, uh, language model or a text model but the same uh, technology can be applied for any other these things it could be images or videos or anything audios it could be and already people are working and some of the things are uh, already available in the market probably not that uh, mature or not that powerful uh, like changeability so uh, of course uh, there is i think i think we'll have to look at uh, the work uh, from a very a different lens uh, today, right? Um, I mean, taking into consideration, people uh, want to have multiple income sources, right? Uh, people want that kind of a flexibility, uh, working from home, um, uh, spending more time with family, and all those things. Uh, I mean, taking care of uh, their health uh, in a better way. So these things uh, you cannot undermine. I mean, you you cannot just uh, negate those. And probably if any enterprise is trying to do that, okay, or imposing something, no, you will have to come to office and uh, you will have to work in this style, uh, which used to be happen uh, say before pandemic or something. So that is not going to happen. Uh, okay, they will lose out the talents. Okay. So so um, so you have to look it into a completely different uh, kind of things. And it should be more of an outcome oriented uh, thing rather than uh, a, a nine to six uh, kind of a job. Because uh, probably what I can see is another five years, uh, nobody will be uh, ready to do a nine to six kind of a conventional uh, job. Okay? Uh, uh, at least in the IT field, definitely not. Okay? Uh, so uh, 
now uh, ai how it is uh, coming is so today like for example let's take the example of uh, a generative uh, language model like chat gpt so if you have to create a uh, say uh, probably uh, kind of a uh, job description or uh, anything for that uh, matter probably an invitation letter or something like that if chat gpt can do it uh, and I can change a little bit and I can do it. So my agility is increasing multifold, right? Which will take probably uh, two hours of my time and then somebody will review, that somebody will do some proofreading after correcting and all those things. And that can be done in say probably uh, max uh, 10, 15 minutes with all review and all those things. So why not? Okay, because ultimately if you look at human brain also, so we are actually consuming information uh, then uh, cooking the information in our head, right? And then delivering a fresh content uh, out of that. Uh, but one way or other way, okay, we are also reusing those information only and then delivering it, right? And the same thing ChatGPT is also doing, right? So ChatGPT is trained with almost all data that is available in the public internet, whether it is UK, uh, wiki articles, uh, the articles that you have written or I have written, uh, the conversations that we have done uh, in social media, uh, the public books uh, that are available in the internet. So with all these things, uh, these models are trained, right? And uh, uh, essentially delivering a very, very fresh and uh, new uh, content. It is not a redundant kind of a content from somewhere. With 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 the context, with that kind of intelligence, empathy, and all those things are also coming into there. So why not? I mean, see, uh, we have been using uh, uh, what do you call uh, calculating things uh, uh, traditionally, and then calculator came, then computer came, kind of thing. So this is kind of evolution. So I think definitely it's not only AI. I think I, I think uh, uh, we should thank uh, to all the technologies, okay, uh, which will make our uh, this uh, work uh, better, smarter, and all those things. And probably we as a human uh, will be more and more using our create, creative elements, uh, which have already been given to us uh, by the Almighty, and we'll be using it more and more. Okay, so that's what I can see. No, I, in fact, you answered my next question. I was going to ask saying that, you know, how important is creativity? You already said that it's going to be important. And uh, yeah, so no, I believe to understand uh, you know, an opportunity, a problem, and then creatively solving it. Uh, and then depending on machines to, you know, improve the agility, if understood right, what you are, you know, what you articulated, right? Yeah. Great. Um, so what would be the top two or three advice that you would give to a aspiring 18-year-old who is wanting to, you know, uh, build a career in the digital AI space, uh, you know, in the coming years? Yeah, I think uh, this is the age I think we sh anyone, okay? So it is not only for 18 years, probably for us also. Uh, we should be a well-informed uh, human being, okay? What is happening around us, irrespective of any field. It could be technology, it could be art, it could be culture and all those things. Because when we talk about business, when we talk about life, when we talk about humanity, it is not only one. It is not only one aspect, but it is multiple aspects. So a well-informed human being, okay, has all uh, has already uh, having a lot of advantages. Now coming to a technical uh, person or a, a person who will be uh, working in the digital space, kind of thing. Of course, he or she needs to understand the technology also. 
what is happening in the technology world i don't think but when he is well informed i think other all ingredients are coming uh, there and if you look at implementations today any implementations it has got a lot of angles i'll give you an example so today if you implement ai uh, differently uh, in many of the countries and even it will start here also already starting the ethical angle okay of mm -hmm. ai implementation is very very important and that is only possible uh, if that uh, individual or a developer or data scientist is a well balanced human being right if he's yeah. not a balanced human being very very techno savvy and uh, like uh, doesn't know anything about the world he cannot do a ethical implementation of ai he doesn't know how bias comes into your uh, ai model okay where, where what are the factors that bias uh, kind of being second thing is uh, everywhere now also you have to look into the sustainability angle which is very very important right so world economic forum has a great importance of their uh, hdz right and uh, esg initiatives and sustainability uh, green finance green uh, computing green everything green so how to bring that a well informed balanced person can only think uh, while doing any kind of implementation that how i can bring these kind of things also apart from the technology and business angle so i think world is moving towards that so it is very very important uh, i think a person to be world well informed and of course good at technologies good at uh, their business processes uh, so that's that's the piece of advice that i can give oh, excellent so what you're saying is obviously one needs to have technical capability in the domain one chooses but they must have peripheral knowledge and understanding of what is happening around the world in multiple situations like humanities and arts and you know context and all that and some of the important things like ethical uh, you know practices and sustainability which is what is becoming very important for the world and then then they can be a wholesome professional you know delivering value to the society and business great uh, well articulated and you know very interesting conversation uh, Uthpal, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for making time. And I'm sure, uh, you know, I have thoroughly enjoyed and learned from the, you know, the 40 minutes that I've spent with you. Um, and I'm sure our listeners will enjoy and learn a lot as well. Uh, thank you so much for making time. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Maha. It was really great. Uh... Uh, great discussion and I also enjoy it uh, thoroughly and uh, it is definitely enriching for me as well. 